Okay, fine. I hope you're uh, kind of able to see and hear okay. Fabulous. And uh, Christmas again, eh? Ah, comes around very fast, doesn't it? And uh, it's all so familiar, isn't it? Even when they muck up all the, uh, the songs. Yeah? No, I didn't mean muck up. Honest, I didn't. You, you know what I meant. They can take it, absolutely. But, but we know it all. We even know the carols, don't we? When, when one of the verses doesn't appear. Yeah? Which inevitably happens sometimes. I bet most of you still sang it. I did. I bet you know all the Christmas jokes as well, don't you? Do you know all the Christmas jokes? Go on, let's try you out. Um, what type of pizza does Good King Wenceslas have? Yeah, deep pan crisp and even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what ailment do you get if you eat Christmas tree decorations? Tinselitis, yeah. Now, then, I will you know this? Uh, the bloke who took his driving test the day before Christmas, and he was so pleased, he was so overjoyed that he went around singing. What did he sing? Noel, Noel. I <laughs> uh, got most of you with that one, yeah. Um, what's the most common Christmas wine? Do I really have to eat those sprouts? Anyway, we could go on, couldn't we, eh? Um, there'll be some new ones in the Christmas crackers, I'm sure. But in all of that, what is Christmas really about? What, why, why so much to do about it? We're celebrating something that happened 2,000 years ago. One person. Why? I once heard someone say it was like this. Imagine taking the ocean... And placing the ocean in a bucket. Can you imagine that? I know it's a big bucket, but imagine taking the ocean and pouring the whole ocean into there. Impossible? Unscientific? Illogical? Yes. But what Christians are claiming about Jesus Christ is that God, the eternal God, became human being much much greater than pouring the ocean into a bucket so tonight I'm going to talk about God in a bucket yeah God in a bucket so of course some people don't believe in God uh, the, the, the statistics say something like 65-70% of people believe in God personally I think that uh, uh, if you're in extremity uh, and, and, and something really bad is happening, I think that percentage goes up quite a bit when the real crisis comes. Not never to 100%, but it does. And, and of course, it's very interesting these days. Atheists were fully expecting that religion would simply die away. You know, uh, in, in, in the last century, uh, science was taking over. Religion would just wither away, wouldn't it? And of course it hasn't. Religion is, is more prominent now in all its different forms and facets than it's ever been. So what we've had happen over the last few years is something called militant atheism. They, they never thought they'd have to be militant because they thought religion would just die. But now they're having to take the attack. So uh, names like uh, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, 
have written really strong books against religion, and particularly, of course, against Christianity. In fact, um, uh, one of them says that he's not an atheist, he's an anti-theist. Anti-theist, so deliberately against theism. Um, now, you might have heard of Christopher Hitchens, because he's written quite a lot of things before he died a few years ago. But you've probably not heard of his brother, Peter Hitchens. Now, Peter Hitchens is very, very interesting. Uh, he's a journalist, and, uh, and he too was an atheist. And one Christmas, he actually found himself, guess where? In a carol service. And to his horror, he actually quite enjoyed it. And he found himself joining in. And uh, as a journalist, he was involved and interested in all sorts of things. But he was actually losing his faith in politics. And, and, and uh, his trust in ambition was eroding. And he found something else on which to build his life. And Peter Hitchens became a Christian. And today is a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm a failed atheist, by the way. Uh, I better say that. Um, uh, I, I actually tried to become an atheist at one point in my life. I failed very badly, didn't I? Um, if anybody wants to talk to me about that later, please do. But I literally tried to be an atheist. I could not get past God. I really couldn't take that final step. Or perhaps it was that God never let me go, as Esther was saying when she was talking about her experiences. If there is this God, what's he like? What's God like? Because I, I, I think there are all sorts of weird, weird images of God. Uh, I don't know if you can picture the, the kind of Michelangelo image of God, can you, uh, in the Sistine Chapel? And uh, someone described him like, uh, what was it? A muscular geriatric with long white hair and flowing beard attached to the body of an Olympic athlete. Yeah? And still, I come across people who think of God as a very old man with, with, with white hair and beard. You see... Sometimes in discussions with atheists, uh, someone will declare they're an atheist. And I'll say, well, you tell me about the God you don't believe in. Because I don't probably believe in that God either. And then I'll tell you about the God that I do believe in. See, I don't believe that God's this muscular geriatric. At all. Or, or what else? Uh, some people see God as a judge, don't they? You know, you know the Ten Commandments and all of that? And, and God's just waiting just waiting for us to step out of line, bang, punishment. And you know that is so, so prevalent, that idea of God, that, that he's, he's, he's just waiting to get us. Or, or some people treat God as kind of a cosmic therapist. You know, someone to whom you can just say anything, but you don't have to do anything. Uh, I don't know, some of you will have been around in uh, kind of the days when uh, Noel Edmonds was doing his cosmic ordering. Do you remember that? It was like a divine Argus. Um, you, you just kind of sent your wishes up into the ether. And, uh, and eventually, whatever you wish for would come back down. Divine Argus. Needed absolutely no commitment or you to do anything except just float your wishes up 
into the ether. But do you know, I think in some of the alternative spiritualities that are around today, they're not that much different from cosmic ordering. In fact, for those who know Noel Edmonds, perhaps some of the beliefs today are not far away from Mr. Blobby either, but we'll not go there tonight. What's your image of God? I'd like to suggest God in a bucket. This is what Christians believe, that the almighty God became a human being. Now, I don't know if you go to things like uh, National Trust, English Heritage, and visit big castles and things like that, do you? Uh, it's so easy to get lost in these things, isn't it? You, 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 know, you, you go through all these kind of different corridors and spaces, and you can't picture it. And then suddenly, you come across a room where there's a scale model of the whole place. And you, know, you are here. Yeah? And you think, oh, right. And because you can see a scale model, you can actually understand the whole thing. That's a little bit of an idea of what Jesus is like. You see, God is, is so huge, so other, so different to us. How could we possibly even begin to comprehend God? So God came to us to say, this is who I am and this is what I'm like. In the uh, letter in the Bible called Colossians, uh, Paul said, uh, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now, think about the logic of that just for a moment, will you? Right, if something is invisible, how can you have an image of it? Yeah? You can't, can you? Because it's invisible. But the Son, says the Bible, is the image of the invisible God. And I can never resist at the point, this point talking about the invisible man who got married to the invisible woman and the children weren't much to look at either. <laughs> Sorry. Where, where, where was I? Yeah. Um, in, in our Christian creeds, we actually talk about God from God, light from light, true God from true God when describing Jesus. That's what Christians believe. That this person who lived 2,000 years ago is none other than God. So if that is the case, what does this show us about God? What, what does the life of Jesus actually teach us? And I've got one or two things in my bucket that, that might help us. I eventually found some straw. It's, um, my wife's been kind of clearing out the garage, so there were only a few strands left. Where was he born? God, coming to earth, chose to be born in abject poverty as a refugee. What does that say about God? You see, we always think of God, don't we, as, as majestic and other, and he actually comes into fear and mess. And actually, a lot of our lives are about fear and mess, aren't they? And perhaps God can come into that too. And, and the people that were around at the time, you know, those readings we just had, does it not surprise you? Who, who was it all announced to, first of all, that God had come into the world? Who did the angels go to? The king? The rich? The powerful? No, the shepherds. 
the shepherds in those days were considered nobodies and they were considered totally irreligious because of their uh, work looking after sheep. They couldn't keep any of the religious rules. So the religious people just discounted them. You know, if, if, if you were called a shepherd, it was an insult. So who did God come and, and announce the whole thing to? Shepherds? What does that say about God? It's rather strange, isn't it? And, and those kings, well, they might have been kings, but they had some very strange religious ideas. They weren't exactly kind of uh, normal. I mean, they were basically astrologers. And, and, and they were so kind of uh, wrapped up in their astrology that, that they kind of went hundreds of miles following a star. How weird. But God appeared to them. And it seems that God is the God who appears to the people who are on the margins. And just look at Mary and Joseph themselves. An unmarried mother in those days. That's how God chose to do it. What does that say about God? And Jesus, of course, in his life, was known as the friend of outcasts and sinners. That got him into such trouble with the religious establishment. They, they were all so holy, you know, particularly the, the equivalents of me, the, you know, the clergy type. They wouldn't have anything to do with sinful people because they might get contaminated. Jesus thought of it the other way around. He thought that his goodness might contaminate the sinful people. What a strange thing. Then we've got a beaker. And that reminds me of the time Jesus met a Samaritan woman. Another outcast, by the way. And another person on the margins. Uh, all sorts of things wrong with her life. And he met her at a well. And, uh, and he asked her for some water. Uh, technically, he shouldn't have been talking to her because she was a Samaritan. And, and he shouldn't have been talking to her because she was a woman. But he did both. Broke the rules all the time. And asked her for some water. And so they got into conversation. And uh, in the end, Jesus says, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask him, and he would give you living water, and you would never be thirsty again. Oh, suddenly the conversation hit a whole new level. And this Samaritan woman who was an outcast from her village had suddenly met the Messiah, the one God had sent, and he was offering to her living water. Living water. Oh. And, uh, and of course, there'll be plenty of these around this Christmas, won't there? Yeah? Christmas crackers, party poppers. Yeah? Jesus loved parties. Uh, you know, God gets such a bad press, doesn't he? God's a spoil sport, isn't he? God doesn't actually like us enjoying ourselves, does he? Are we supposed to fast and, and do all sorts of awful things that we don't like? No! Jesus was a party animal. Any excuse? Wedding of Cana. Wow. What a, that was the first sign in John's Gospel. The first sign of him being who he was was creating all that wine, saving the party. Jesus was known for being parties. Even the description of heaven is of a big party with lots of food. Yeah. And of course, 
he was a carpenter. That was his trade. Learnt an ordinary job, like all of us have to, to earn a living, to support his family, because his father died when he was young. He probably had to graft really hard just to make it all happen. But of course, the wood reminds us of something else, doesn't it? The wood reminds us of how he died. The, the one who came to show us love, the one who loved everybody, the human race couldn't cope with. So we killed him in a barbaric and cruel way. The cross. And the book, it's empty. But interestingly, if I turn it on its side, it reminds me of something else. It actually reminds me of the empty tomb. Because we did kill Jesus, but the tomb was empty on Easter Sunday. And it's always fun talking about Easter at Christmas, isn't it? Yeah? I like talking about Christmas at Easter as well. But the tomb was empty. And they saw Jesus alive after death. And when Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? Uh, when Thomas eventually saw Jesus, he wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared. He was missing. And, uh, and a few days later, Jesus appeared and said, here I am, Thomas. And Thomas got down on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Ultimately, the resurrection is the clincher for most people. That's the one. If Jesus actually rose from the dead, oh, everything else makes sense. So what's God like? Well, God's like Jesus. Those are all the things. God has the power over death itself. God is the God who suffers with us and dies for us so that we can have a new beginning. God is the God who loves parties, who offers each one of us living water so we need never be thirsty again. And God is the God who comes to the outcast and the sinner and the people on the margins of life, the people whose lives are a mess, like most of us. But of course... Christmas isn't simply about 2,000 years ago, is it? Um, it, 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 it? It's about now. God with us today. See, oceans and buckets, I suspect we'll never understand that, will we? Do you know, if we can understand that, then it's not really very impressive, is it? It's way beyond our puny human beings. We can't understand it, but I believe that we can experience it. And the invitation tonight for all of us, whether for the first time or the umpteenth time, is to be honest with Jesus. Remember that video we had? To dare to take the wrapping off. Because we all do that, don't we? We all put plenty of wrapping around to make ourselves look respectable. But dare we come before God as we truly are and trust that he won't judge us but that he loves us and will accept us and step by step change us 
from the inside out. Like Esther, like Peter Hitchens, like two billion Christians on planet Earth today. And there may be some here tonight who need to take that step for the first time. And and that's what we invite you to do. I don't know if you've got a favourite carol. I have. I've got a least favourite as well. Shall I tell you my my least favourite first? Away in a manger. Yeah? The little Lord Jesus, no crying he made. Forget that one. Yeah? Not a chance. He was human. Hate that carol. The one I love though is old little town of Bethlehem. It says this at the final verse. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. That's what's on offer tonight. To dare to take off the wrapping, to be honest with God and allow him to touch your life in a new way. It's never easy, like Esther said, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey because he starts to, to do things and changes and, you know, the, the, the teddy bear out of his eyes sewn in and it's, you know, God patches us up, makes us new. But he does it because he loves us and he loves you. So here's the bucket. And uh, what are you going to do about the bucket this year? And some of you might think, well, George, I've got buckets of time. Don't have to make those sorts of decisions now, do I? But you know, you never know when you kick the bucket. Because there's fun elements to this, but it's serious, isn't it, folks? We've got a decision to make. And there are some people here tonight with a decision to make about Jesus. I invite you to say a prayer that I'm going to say in the quiet of your own minds. And if you're not ready to say that yet, I'll I'll give you a card at the end. You can explore it further with some of the internet sites that are on it. But think seriously about taking off the wrappings and allowing Jesus into your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this wonderful time of Christmas. So many things to enjoy. But thank you for the powerful message that Christmas brings to us. Thank you that you love us as we are. And you invite us to take the wrapping off. And to allow you to see us. And touch our lives. And whether it's for the first time or the umpteenth time, Lord, we open ourselves to you. And I pray now particularly for any individual here today who's never done that, Lord, be with them. And allow them now to open their hearts to you. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to me, abide with me, O Lord, Emmanuel. Amen.
if you've said that, do uh, talk to a, another Christian or talk to one of us in leadership later and let us help you with that uh, in terms of what it means. And uh, we're now going to have the band just play something and we can just ponder on that a little bit more in the quiet. Thank you. As Mark and the band play, um, I just really feel that if if you have if that message has spoken to you this evening, then come and speak to one of us now, um, George, myself, Sue, and Chris. Um, we'll be available. Um, so do do make that decision because you never know. Tonight's the night, Ian. So. Uh, to a time of prayer. John 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, as we think today about you coming through Jesus into this world as a helpless baby, we give you the praise and the glory. We praise you that you are called Emmanuel, God with us, and you came to show your love to a fallen world and give us a way back to you. 
in the quietness of our hearts or out loud, let's praise God now for his amazing gift to us. John 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In Matthew 5 verse 14 it says, you are the light of the world. Yet Lord, we see so much darkness and evil in the world. In the quietness of our hearts, we lift up, to, lift up to God an area of the world that has been in the news this last week and pray for his light to shine into that darkness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1 verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Father, we look at our own country with rising hardship and poverty with confusion and anxiety about the outworking of Brexit. And again, in the quietness of our hearts, let us lift to God those things that have made the news this week in the UK. light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In John chapter 3 verse 21 it says that whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Father as we approach Christmas help us to focus on you and not to be overwhelmed by the world and all the materialism we see around us. Help us to shine your light into dark places. Quietly now, bring before God and lay before him those things that crowd him out in our day-to-day -day lives. Ask for his forgiveness and ask for strength to live his way. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Matthew 4, verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now let's lift to God those for whom Christmas will be a difficult time. 
maybe through sickness, loneliness, bereavement or poverty. Lord, to all of these, would you come and lighten their darkness with your comfort, love, healing and peace. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, Trevor's going to take his place at the organ to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's stand. Thank you for coming this evening. It's been really lovely to have you with us. Um, please stay behind um, because we'll be having mulled wine, which George will be drinking from his bucket. And um, yeah, mulled wine and mince pies. And if you are new here, we would love to get to know you. So say hello to George, who'll be near the front door, or anyone you've seen at the front, um, Esther or Gareth, myself, 
whoever. We would love to meet you and get to know you. Let's pray as we close our service. May the joy 